Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful occasion. Thank you that today, as your people, we can remember the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And so, Father, today we ask for your Holy Spirit to continue to speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may take your seats. Thank you, worship team. Let's give them a hand. Perhaps if you can lower the monitors over here for me, please. Thank you. Well, I want to uh, continue to talk about forgiveness. This is Good Friday. I know that for those of you in Croydon and maybe even in Greenwich, I said that I had done the last of the teaching, but I couldn't resist since this is Good Friday, uh, in prayer, I want to continue to talk on the theme of forgiveness. I hope you're not bored with the issue of forgiveness. Every, well, whether you're bored or not, you're going to get some. Every time I continue to look at this subject, I more and more get challenged about what it means to be a Christian. Uh, what it means to follow the Lord Jesus. So you can start counting me down now, please. Thank you. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, and we are going to read from verse 20. Luke 23, from verse 20 to 43. Luke 23, verse 20 to 43. It's a long read. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus again, called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him. Then he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him or whip him and let him go. But they were insistent demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison. But he delivered Jesus to their will. Now, as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country. And on him, they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people followed him and women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed, the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that have never bore, and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, There you go. I hope that's a test of what, I hope it's not a test of what's to come, yeah? Let's carry on. Kind of as apt. Then they will begin, verse 30, Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us. And to the hills cover us. For if they do these things in the greenwood, what will be done in the dry? There were also two other 
two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine. And saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Amen. Well, at least for some of you, you've read the Bible today. Hallelujah. <laughs> we are going to talk about the greatest example of forgiveness, looking at this text in particular. Uh, notice what the Lord said as he's hanging on the cross. As all that has taken place has taken place and they're still mocking him and insulting him, he prays this prayer, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Now we've already established that forgiveness is to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense or a flaw or a mistake that they have or they've made, or they've done against you. It is, in other words, it's no longer requiring that someone is held accountable for what they have done against you or against another. You no longer require them to be held accountable. That's what forgiveness in essence is. Uh, many times as I counsel and I, I talk to different ones, and even in my own personal life, I find it a challenge to forgive. And I have found that many believers find forgiveness a massive challenge. And it is easy for us to gloss over what forgiveness really is. But the truth of the matter is whenever we forgive or we are forgiven, whenever we forgive, it means we will no longer hold the person accountable for the wrong they have done against us. And when God forgives us, it is the same. He no longer holds us accountable for the wrong that we have done. Now, whilst forgiveness is the highest expression of the love of God, forgiveness is the highest expression, our Lord Jesus on the cross demonstrates to us the greatest example of forgiveness. So if we want to forgive people the way God has called us to, then we are to look unto Jesus like Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 tells us. Looking unto Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith. We are to look at him, how he forgave and use that as the yardstick upon which we will also do what? Forgive. Amen. I'm not going to go over what I've already taught because of time. 
But in anything that we seek to do, we must always use the Lord Jesus as our example. Not a pastor, not even the apostles, not David of old, but the Lord Jesus. He is God's standard. Because sometimes I have found that believers would like to hide behind some of the Old Testament revelation of how people dealt with people. So for instance, David prayed some powerful prayers against his enemies. All right, I'm just checking. In case we all have to rush out. David prayed some powerful prayers against his enemies. He would say like, Lord, you know, judge them, let the fire rain down on them, you know, and believers would like to quote these kind of verses. But you can't do that in the New Testament. Can you say amen? Or, you know, you know, the scripture says, do not suffer a witch to live. And I have some pastors that say, let's deal with them. No, but the Bible says, bless those who curse you. Jesus taught that, didn't he? And pray for those who spitefully use you. The power of the cross is fully released through forgiveness. And Jesus is our example. So he willingly offers himself for us because he wants us to be forgiven. Yes, but more importantly because he loves the Father and also because he loves us. Now, in that way, because of how Jesus demonstrates his love for us, this is how we also demonstrate our love for each other. Well, really, this is how we demonstrate our love for God. By how we forgive, by how we receive forgiveness, and by how we forgive. So, if, for instance, I claim to love God, I claim to really be passionate about Jesus, are you still here? And I want to be his disciple. Then, the way I would want to do it is the way Jesus does it. Can you say amen? All right. Let's look at some of these, um, th- these truths from these verses. So the first thing I want you to look at is in verse 20 to 23. Jesus was known by his accusers to be innocent when they put him on the cross. From the beginning of the whole issue about the cross, Jesus had done nothing wrong. Now, the reason why it's important is sometimes... In our need to forgive people, we have a stumbling block because we feel like, well, I did nothing wrong. And they have done this thing to me. So they definitely need to be held, what? Responsible. After all, I am innocent here. Well, Jesus was known to be innocent by his accusers. In verses 20 to 23, Pilate himself knew that he had done nothing wrong. And that the reason why they had brought him there, if you look at the other Gospels, was because of envy. That's why the high priest had brought him there. They were envious of him. They wanted what he had. And sometimes, and I'm going to use this as a narrative and why and how we also need to demonstrate forgiveness. And it's because sometimes people will cause offense to us or will hurt us or will damage us or will accuse us of something even though we are innocent. And I think for us as believers, one of the greatest privileges is to be falsely accused. Is to be, you're looking at me. 
It is. One of the greatest privileges we can have as believers is to be falsely accused for doing the right thing. For standing for the truth. Because that is how our Lord was handled. Pilate wished to release him and called out to them that, look, come on, the man has done nothing wrong. And they were saying, no, nah, crucify him, crucify him. In fact, in one place they said, he said he's a king, and if you don't kill him, then you are an enemy to Caesar. He said, hey, in other words, your job is on the line. Sometimes, for the sake of people's security, they will betray you. You know, I don't know if you've read, if you've heard about this issue that, about the rugby player who posted that whole thing about um, um, adulteries in First Corinthians um, 6. I think adulterers, fornicators, murderers, drunkards, homosexuals, blah, 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 will all find their place in, the, in hell or something like that. Very interesting script um, post. So he posts it as an expression of his faith. And then the rugby union come down hard on him. And I'm sure many of you noble Christians were saying, oh, that man was not wise. He should have been wiser. He should have been wiser. Why would he post something to hurt people like that? You know, and of course the narrative is he posted that gay people, gay people. Well, he didn't actually say gay. He actually said all including gay, but they just highlighted gay people. So then they asked him to apologize, and he said, I'm not apologizing. This is what I believe. He posted it. And then another Christian supported him. Only one Christian in all the sports industry <laughs> has supported him. So another rugby player. And then he also was brought before the disciplinary panel for such an offensive thing. Now, here's my point. In an age where we claim to be so tolerant, it appears that we are as tolerant, we are tolerant for everybody except for those who are willing to say something that appears to us to be intolerant. What kind of tolerance is that? Anyway, but the other thing I thought to myself, what would I have done? What would Joseph Kofi do? have done if I was a sportsman? I wonder what you would have done. So I was talking to one very powerful sportsman and I said to them, you know what? When you make a stand for Jesus, you have to be willing to lose everything. Because I think I would have tweeted support. I would have said to Aisha, I would have done it and then told Aisha, I've done it. (laughs) Because the mortgage and everything... Maybe at risk. <laughs> that man had done nothing wrong. A sportsman, he done nothing wrong. But he's now being vilified. And I don't see any Christians, including myself. I need to find his thing and then place my support. Hallelujah. I don't see any Christians supporting him. It's interesting. Jesus was known by his accusers to be innocent. You know, Daniel, the prophet of old, his enemies looked at him and they were not happy with him being in the place of prominence. And they said, we can't fault Daniel when it comes to his work. The only way we're going to get him is when it comes to how he worships God. This is where we're all heading, beloved. 
We're all heading in that direction where people are going to find fault with you because of your faith, not because of your work. And my question to you is, are you willing to stand for that which is right and be thrown into the lion's den falsely? Let's move on on that holy, happy note. Second point in this narrative is that they chose a murderer instead of Jesus. In verse 25, he says, Pilate released to them, um, it was Barabbas, he released to them one who had been uh, in rebellion and had murdered people. He was a very terrible man, but they chose him instead of Jesus. Now, sometimes what you find is when you are seeking to walk in forgiveness, those that you seek to forgive because of your faith will rather have somebody worse than you than have you because of what you stand for. When you stand for Jesus, you have to be prepared to be rejected because of your faith. This is one of the things I find that many of us now, I just think we become cowards. I do, I really do. I think we have become cowards. We are, we are not prepared to be rejected by the world. And the Bible says friendship with the world is enmity to God. If you want to be a friend of the world, you're going to be an enemy of God. If you want to be a friend of God, sometimes you're going to come across as an enemy to the world. That's how it is. That's our faith. Our faith is counterculture. It's not a faith that as the world gets darker, the world is going to like. The world will increasingly find our faith irrelevant. Even though, if we are really following Jesus, our life will be salt and light and many will come to know Jesus because of its reality. The reason why our, our faith is not so attractive because it's not radical enough. It's not, we, we're not radical in how we love. We're not radical in how we forgive. There's more people who are offended in church at times than I think are out there. You didn't shake my hand. Why did you shake my hand? Yeah. You know, you didn't hug me. Why are you hugging me? I mean, all kinds of things. Anyway, a murderer was chosen instead of Jesus. Quickly. Third point I want you to notice in this narrative is this. No one was willing to help Jesus at the time of his greatest need. In verse 26, it says they forced Simon the Cyrenian. They laid hold of him. They forced him to help Jesus because he was he would be so beaten and battered, he couldn't carry the cross. Where was Peter? Where was James? Where was John? Where were the 12? Where were the 70? All were men, by the way. The 12 were 12 men. The 70 were 70 men. Where were the 70? Where were the 12? In fact, the closest people were women who were crying. Thank God for women. You know, those who are against women in leadership. Thank God for women. Without them, we will have no church. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about women in leadership and why we, eh, my friend. Without, without Deborah, uh, 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 Israel would have been defeated. Yeah. Thank God for women. Hallelujah. Well, women, you should say a louder Amen. And the brother should say amen as well. A woman brought you into this world. A woman brought you into this world. What are you talking about? Jesus 
could not rely on any of his friends at the time of his greatest need. And at times, this is what happens in a place of offense. We feel like there's no one there for us. Sometimes when you are hurt, when somebody, people have hurt you, when you are offended, you feel like there's nobody there for you. Have you felt that way before? No love in the church? Have you been there? Come on, have you been there? No love in the church? Have you been a victim of the fact that there's no love anymore in the church? Once you were in the church, there was a lot of love. Now, for some reason, there's no love in the church. Yeah, it's normal. It's normal. Oh, come on, have you been there? Look at Jesus. He had 70 powerful men. And at his time when he needed someone to carry the cross, nobody was there. Have you been there? When at your, you've helped everybody, you've given out to everybody, you've been a blessing to everybody, and then when you've needed help, nobody's around. And those who are around are far off observing. Hmm. Which leads us to the fourth point. Jesus' humiliation was made public for all to see. Verse 27. And a great multitude of the people followed him and women who also mourned and lamented him. A lot of people could see Jesus' humiliation. They could see the fact that he was totally a dejected figure. Have you experienced humiliation? Has, has an offense that you have experienced caused you such humiliation that it became public? You know, sometimes pastors can make some big blunders. On the pulpit, they're talking, 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 talking. And then they'll mention your name. And then Joseph also even did it. And you're sitting in the, in the service. Everybody? Job said this in Job 17.6. He said, God had made him a byword of the people. He said, I've become one in whose face men spit. Sometimes when you stand for God, it can look like a humiliation. After you've sought to do the right thing, you look like you've been humiliated. It's like that. I'm talking about the greatest example of forgiveness. Not this kind of forgiveness, okay, I forgive you, you know, but let's make sure. Safe forgiveness. No. The greatest, the man is completely humiliated. The cross, you see these, these things of the cross, you see people when they have this thing of a cross and then they've got this thing around Jesus and then they're nice little, you know, cross legs and a little nice little thing here and, and he's like kind of cutely doing his head like that. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. It was complete humiliation. I mean, when he was on the cross, he was completely naked for a start. There's no cloth. Are you joking? You're not wasting your cloth on you. Completely naked. Imagine the son of God completely humiliated like this. But in, on the way to the cross, he had been so beaten... He had been so reduced that he could just about walk. His back was like a field that had been plowed. He was drenched in blood. His blood. He was hobbling. His face was disfigured at this point. This, uh, Isaiah says that we couldn't recognize him when we looked at him. And a lot of 
people were watching it. Remember, these were some of the people who had seen him. Minister healing, deliverance, walk with royalty, regality, sharing the message of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. This is the man who could stand in front of um, kings and, and, and not be moved, who could speak to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and re rebuke them with such force and vigor. Young man, 33 years old. I could give birth to him right now. Young man. Yeah. 20 years my junior. I could. And now he's reduced to being humiliated. You know, sometimes when you are seeking to do what's right, like the psalm in Psalm 69 verse 8, he says this, I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children. Sometimes as you seek to do what is right with God, as you seek to walk in the love of God, as you seek to express forgiveness, instead of people embracing you, you're like, nah, we don't know you anymore. We don't recognize you anymore. Are you still there? Number five. Our Lord's experience was also a lesson for those who were observing it, but they did not understand. Now look at this. Verse 28 to 31, he turns to the daughters of Jerusalem and says, don't weep for me. You don't understand what is happening to me right now. You don't understand it. This that is happening has a much more serious significance in the future than you think. And beloved, in the same way, at times when we go through terrible things, we may not understand what is happening. Others may not understand it. But if we can discern God's heart, we will know that everything that happens for, to us happens for a reason. Like he says in Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to them that love God, to, them, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So our Lord is going through this. It looked like an utter humiliation. Everybody's watching. People are feeling so sorry for him. But he understood what was going on. When you are being humiliated, when you are being dejected, when things, bad things are happening to you, do you understand what's going on? Do you discern God's mind concerning your life? Or do you just react like the pagans? You know, why is, if God is a good God, why is this happening? More sacrifice, more sacrifice. That's how pagans think. More sacrifice, more prayer, more this. That's because they, they, there's no relationship. There's no real dynamic reality of the life of Christ. That's why people respond that way. If you know God and you're going through a tough time, you're experiencing things that don't make sense. You're, you're going to be like Job. Don't he slay me, yet will I trust him. I know my redeemer lives. That he will stand at the latter days. And though after this flesh, worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh I will see God. He, Job could say it. Even though it looked ridiculous. You see, our faith is not uh, very nice to market. You know, at times the way people promote Christianity, come to Jesus and your life will be fixed. Come to Christ. If your marriage is in trouble, 
come to Jesus. He will sort out your marriage for you. He will bless your pocket. He will, and it sounds really nice. Come and find out. Come and see if it's like that. How many of you, that's how it was. When you, sometimes after you come to Christ, you lose everything. Hallelujah. Before you came to Christ, you are minding your own business. You know, you could, you could have sex as and when it, you felt like it. Hallelujah. You could smoke, you drink. If you swear, you swear. If you don't, you don't. It's life. If you're frustrated, you can say, ah! No, I, no uh, you know what you say. And it's, it's nice. It's fine. And then you came to church and then you got born again. And now, when you want to have sex, you just can't have sex with anyone. Not even your own boyfriend. How is that, how is that palatable? You've all gone quiet. <laughs> oh, but it's my boyfriend. It's my girlfriend. And? Now, when you swear, or oh, a little swear here, you feel as if you are a very bad, dirty sinner. Your friends are, oh, come and you're overdoing it. No, no. You're not overdoing it. You've entered reality. They didn't understand what was happening to Jesus, but he understood what was happening to him. Do you understand what's happening to you? Do you understand what's happening to you when you're going through a tough time because of your faith? Or do you just react like everybody else? Sixth point. Jesus lost his reputation as a result of the injustice he suffered. In verse 32 and 33, he now is... Put with two criminals and is now going to experience the death of two criminals. Now, let me explain. These criminals were not petty thieves. For you to be crucified in the Roman culture, it was the worst punishment for the low of the lowest. It's the dregs of society. I like to put it like in today's modern equivalent in our highfalutin moral sensibilities. I like to equate it to how we would see a pedophile and the worst kind. Those were the people that were crucified. And those were the kind of criminals. You see, it's not criminals like gangster criminals. You know, gangster criminals. You know. No, that's not what they put him with. You know, serious bank robbers, serious, you know, you know, dangerous people who when they walk in the women's knees, oh, he's a dangerous criminal. No, it's not, it's not like that. It's not like that. Not that kind of criminal. <laughs> he was associated with the worst kind. Can you imagine? Because of your stance for Christ, they associate you with the worst kind. And can you imagine, because you are seeking to walk in forgiveness and love, you are associated, you are treated like a criminal. You are treated like a criminal. Our Lord did not care about his reputation. In Philippians chapter 2, from verse 5 to 7, it says, let this mind, or let this same attitude be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, or even though he was in nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. Or like he says in the New King James, who being in the form of God, did not think it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, it wasn't something that he was grasping. He already knew who he was. But what happened? 
He says, made himself of no reputation. In other words, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being in the likeness of men or being in human likeness. Our Lord, as he was going through this experience, his reputation was lost. He now was considered a criminal. Sometimes, through the offense of others, our reputation is at stake. Hallelujah. At times as a pastor, over the years, some of my friends, my pastor friends, have hit crises and their reputation has been at stake. And that is when I like to get close to them even more. That's when I like to invite them to come and preach in my church. And sometimes I remember one guy, when he was invited, people were like, have you heard his marriage is over? Da, 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 da. I said, yeah, I know, his marriage is over. And have you spoken to him? I said, no, I have not spoken to him. They said, why haven't you spoken to him? I said, because he hasn't talked to me about it. I know he's getting counseling, but it's none of my business. He's, he's my friend, yeah, but I'm not his counselor. He said, oh, but he's coming to your church. I said, yeah, he'll come. So later on, after he came and went, one day he called me and said, Joe, I need to tell you something. He said, uh, my marriage is over. And um, yeah, you, you might hear about it. I said, bruv, I've known about it for a long time. <laughs> when you came to our church that time, I knew about it. But you're my friend. And I stand with my friends. Yeah. If my friends get dirty, some of the mud can hit me. Now, we're not interested in protecting our name. Like times we say, you've got to protect the name of CLF. No, 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 no. We will love people even if it means by loving them we end up being tarnished with their crime. Don't care. Hallelujah. Our Lord associated with the worst kinds of criminals. You think he couldn't have easy, easily done something? Hey, hey, what are you doing? I am Christ. Come on, come on. <laughs> like the Chinese, remember I told you about, the, if you're Chinese, forgive me, but the Chinese, the Chinese version of the cross. There was this film, Chinese film. I'm not sure if Chinese people made it, but they were Chinese actors. And they were doing the, the, the crucifixion of Christ. You've heard me share this. And, uh, you know, they took Jesus, they nailed him on the cross, and he's on the cross. And after what, they kept insulting him. He went, ah, go off the cross, beat all the soldiers up, beat all of them up, beat them, beat them, beat all of them, beat all of them. And when he finished, he went back on the cross and he died. <laughs> That's to show I'm still in control. <laughs> That's how I would have done it myself, I think. If I were. If I was Jesus, you know, enough of this nonsense. Hey, my friend, you think you can just bully and listen? Me, I have power, you know. Michael, come. Gabriel, come. Sort them out. Nonsense. Sometimes we want to go back in the Old Testament. Moses, let my people go. Pharaoh, you're, 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 you and your whole family are dead. Yeah. <laughs> he lost his reputation. Another thing about Jesus in all of this, 
in all of this that was taking place, he was still willing to express God's heart in spite of the injustice. So just look at it. He was completely misrepresented. He was completely humiliated. He was completely um, maltreated. They had done all kinds of things, insulting him all the way, right up onto the cross, going, doing terrible things to him. On the cross, as he's on the cross, they are insulting him. They are, they've taken his clothes, as we're going to see. They've taken his clothes, his clothes. They are sharing his clothes, proper garment that somebody had donated. Proper garment. I'm not saying Jesus bought designer suits, but somebody clearly did and gave it to him. These soldiers were doing all of that. People were insulting him. And in the midst of it, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And he says, and they divided his garments and cast lots. So as he's saying that, they are stealing his stuff. What would you have done? As he is saying that, they are still maltreating him. As he is saying that in verse 36 onwards, the soldiers are mocking him. As he is saying that they are giving him vinegar to drink. Imagine. Vinegar. The man is thirsty and you are giving him vinegar. That's really not nice. So I am thirsty. You don't know whether to choke or to swallow. And whilst, whilst he's saying that, the chief priests are insulting him. Look, he's, he could save others. But he can't even save himself. You can't even, save, be like the Chinese Jesus. You can't even save yourself. Uh, if you're Chinese, forgive me, I'm not. I'm just, it's a film, it's a film. If it was Nigerian, you'd all understand. But when you say Chinese, you know, oh, you're Nigerian, forgive me. Hey. Now look at the prayer. Father, forgive them. I have 10 more minutes and then I'm done. Father, forgive them. That's like a cue. 10 more minutes and then I'm done. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Look at the prayer. When your enemies are maltreating you, do you honestly believe they don't know what they're doing? Do you, look, the soldiers were doing what? They were, they were taking his, his uh, clothes by playing a roll of dice or whatever it is. The high priest, the chief priest, they wanted to make sure he was dead. But Jesus said they don't know what they're doing. Can you say that about your enemies? I'm talking about the highest, the greatest example of forgiveness through the lens of Jesus. When people who don't like you are scheming against you, can you pray for them? Father, forgive them. Don't hold this against them. Don't allow them to pay for this because they don't know what they are doing. Uh, Father, uh, even though you should forgive them. You know, your Bible says no one can. It's, it's the goodness of God that brings them to repentance. So let them repent. Let them, let them repent. And if they don't repent, then obviously they go to hell. 
they know what they're doing. How can you pray? How can, how can our Lord pray this prayer? To me, it's amazing. They don't know what they're doing. Ah, read, read the whole narrative. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were very bad people. Some people are just bad. You know, I've realized as a pastor, some people are just bad. Some people are wicked. It's just it's true. Some people are just wicked. I'm not saying you're wicked. I'm not saying I'm wicked. But some people are wicked. Some people don't have good intentions. Our Lord says such people, they don't know what they're doing. You know, when I look at myself, I can begin to identify with those kind of people. See, because at times, when I am doing bad things, I think I know what I'm doing. But if I knew the ramifications of what I'm doing, I don't think I would do it. If I really understood how much injury I am causing myself by what I am doing, I don't think I will do it. Who wants to put a gun in their normal mind and blow themselves up? Unless you're under some kind of distress. No, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I can judge these people unless I learn to judge myself. And when I look at these people and I look at myself, I can see traits. There are times when I have mocked people who have, in my opinion, not met my standards. There are times when I have rejected people who perhaps I haven't realized had my best interests at heart. There are times when I have abused others when I thought I was doing the right thing. What about you? He expressed God's heart in spite of the injustice. And that's the key about forgiveness. Learning to express the heart of God to those who are treating you terribly. Yes. I'm going to conclude soon. Eighth point. Jesus' enemies rejected and insulted his gracious heart towards him. So, they hear him saying this prayer and look at the next verse. It says, and the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, he saved others, let him save himself if, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. So as our Lord is praying this prayer and they can hear him, they then reject him even more. What would you have done? Lord, cancel that last prayer. You know, you see this with Stephen. Stephen, he's preaching, he's preaching, he's preaching. The Bible says he looks like an angel. He turns, he's beginning to transfigure in their presence. Preaching, preaching, preaching. And they're like, Stephen, but they can't touch him. Then he says, ah, you stiff-necked people. You're always resisting the Holy Spirit. They're like furious, but they can't do nothing. Then he says, Wow, I've just seen the heavens open. The son of man, son of God, gotcha, blasphemy. They take stones and begin to stone him. Stone him, stone him. As he's about to die. After, ah, 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 just as he's about to die, his final words, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And then uh, he dies. 
what would you have done? As you are being stoned, you are about to die. Lord! Remember the two witnesses. <laughs> there is something about the Holy Spirit that if you allow him to control, he changes your heart. And causes you to love those who are unlovely or unlovable. And who treat you terribly. So his enemies are even rejecting. Nine point. Jesus had his identity mocked as a result of this injustice. So look at this. They mocked him saying, verse 36 to 38, offering him sour wine and so forth. And then said, if you are the king of Jews, save yourself. And so forth. They were mocking him about his identity. And they put the king of the Jews and all of that stuff. You know something? Just like it was with our Lord, so it will always be with us. When we are being maltreated, when we are experiencing terrible things, one of the things that gets challenged is our identity in Christ. Are you a real Christian? Are you really for God? Do you really stand for the truth? Or are you fake? Or sometimes when somebody is offended by you, They'll say things like, you're not a real Christian. If you were a real Christian or whatever. But I want you to know this. If you seek to do the right thing, your identity will remain intact. Do you know why? Because you find in John chapter 19 verse 12, verse 19 to 22, that the high priest go to, to Pilate and say, change the inscription that he claimed to be the son of God. And Pilate said, no. What is there? What I've written is what I've written. King of the Jews. Son of, what is there is what is there. If you stand for God, even when people have hurt you, even when people have offended you, if you stand for God and you show them grace, your identity in Christ remains intact. Last but not least, our Lord Jesus fulfilled his assignment in the place of pain, sorrow, and rejection. Notice from verse 39 to 43, the two thieves that are standing next to him. One of them accuses him, begins to um, hell insults. If you are the Christ, save yourself and so forth. Actually, in another one of the gospels, both of the thieves initially started insulting him. We don't see in this narrative, but in another place, both of the thieves were insulting him. Stupid, stupid man. And Jesus is quietly taking it. Fool, idiot, you, you should save us if you can't save people. Save as they were insulting the other guy, wonderful. Mm, Charlie, I'm about to die. <laughs> I'm about to die. This man, we all know this man is not the thief. Changed his mind. They were both. They all both. They probably started. Hey, look at this fool. You see, that's why we are criminals. At least we are criminals. We know. We know bad things happen to criminals. You, you've been writing all the life. Look at you, you're just like a stupid fool. Insulting him. But as he insulted, maybe even he started, the, ah, look at his head, look at, look at your back. As he insulted, insulting, you think, mm, Charlie, my friend, I think uh, I'm about to die. I changed my mind. Hey, stop it. Probably his friend said, what are you doing? No, no, be quiet. Don't you fear God? <laughs> Look, we are both guilty. We know we are guilty. But we also know this man has said me. 
Oh, come on, Joe. No, 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 no. Come on, Joe. Stop it. I'm afraid. I'm about to die. Think about it. No, 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 no. Look, Jesus. Uh, I'm really sorry. Can you forgive me? Can you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Now, if it was you, you're dying, and these people are insulting you. As he's about to die, he has a change of heart. Uh, can you forgive me? He said, No, I cannot. You should have repented earlier. <laughs> you report it, oh, my friend. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the Lord said, Hey, the man made it all. Assuredly, I say to you, today you'll be in, be in paradise. Wow. Our Lord did not forget who he was in the midst of offense. So this Easter, as you celebrate it, remember who you are celebrating. Remember what you are celebrating. And remember what your Lord has done for you. How he has forgiven you. And so when others offend you, instead of forgiving them the western way or the church way, forgive them in the way of the cross. Can you say amen? amen? Yes, let us pray. So, I am hoping that for now, this is the last teaching I will do on forgiveness. And so, I want to pray again over all of us as we get ready for Easter. I want to bless you. I want to pray over you. And uh, for those of you who, again, you want to walk in this grace of forgiveness because of whatever. Why don't you stand right now? Just pray over you and bless you. And as you stand, why don't you release whoever it is, whatever it is. Why don't you just release them right now as you stand. Raise your hands and release them right now before the Lord and then we'll pray. Whoever, whatever it is, just release them right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for these precious ones that are standing Lord, as we stand and as we uh, acknowledge your forgiveness and as we acknowledge your grace upon our lives, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for what he has done for us. We thank you for forgiveness of sins. We thank you that we can receive forgiveness and we can demonstrate forgiveness to those who have offended us, to those who have wounded us. We thank you above all that we can fulfill our assignment in the midst of offense. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Joe, for that word. If I could get the ushers to get ready, we're going to receive our offering. Ushers, if you get ready, please. If you need an envelope, please do raise up your hand. If you need an envelope, please do raise up your hand and the ushers will attend to you.